1: you <music>
0: Welcome to another of our hiatus episodes of Dungeon Deep Dive.
2: Howdy, uh, and uh, Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate it. I think this is the Christmas one, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. This will be released on uh, Christmas Day, I believe. Actually,
2: yeah. Well, Merry Christmas to all those folks, and Happy Holidays to everyone else, and everyone who listened to that Merry. Everyone who wanted that Merry Christmas, shut up, stop listening for a second. Fucking good on you all for not buying into that consumerist. Oh,
3: fucking... Oh, fuck.
1: Anyway, I hope you guys are having a good holiday and it's not too uh, exhausting.
0: Yeah, but in case you needed uh, just a little bit of an out, a little bit of uh, alone time, maybe a little time to engage with your hobbies because I know I certainly will be uh, looking for that sort of thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I sneak away on Christmas Day to, like, sit in the bathroom and listen to a D&D podcast because it's like if I have to hear one more problematic uncle say one more problematic thing, I will flip.
0: (laughs) Um... And just before we get started, we'd like to say that we're recording as per usual in what is actually the Mianjin lands of the Turrbal and Yagora people uh, of Australia, and they are the traditional custodians of the land, and sovereignty was never ceded.
2: We would like to pay respects to elders past, present and emerging.
0: Yeah, these lands have always been places of teaching and learning and storytelling, and we want to continue in that tradition. And if you are a member of those communities and you want... To be a part of that conversation, we would, would love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. So, today, what we're just going to talk about is a little bit of our first impressions for both of our campaigns. So, in case you hadn't picked it up in sort of the drops that we did um, of this stuff in previous episodes, um, both Lachlan and I are running. Our own campaigns start, which have started fairly recently. Yeah, we um, both
2: just had one session so far. Uh, Tully's was early this week, mine was last week. And yeah, it was the first time either of us have, uh, first time Tully's DM'd at all, first time I've DM'd anything that I just like made up.
1: I don't DM at all, I'm just playing in both of them.
0: Yeah, and so uh, Grace and I are both playing in Lachlan's campaign, and Lachlan and and Grace are in my campaign. Uh, what I want to talk about is just a little bit of um, how we prepped, what sort of things we did with our world building, and then mm. how the sessions went and how we reckon that reflects it. So essentially I I, I might uh, start out in a little bit of how I planned it. Yeah. Um, I really did. I had an idea of the rough aesthetic I was looking at at the beginning. So I was looking at uh, a dust bowl. So it was going to be still high fantasy. I'm not going to change much about I've not changed much about the fact that, you know, you've still got all your magical races and magical powers and firearms have changed a little bit, but not hugely, only because I've got an artificer. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, realistically, I started with the aesthetic and then I asked everyone to create their characters and asked basically for them to figure out what they wanted to be.
1: Yeah, the uh, the character creation was really fun, especially for me. who's like, super into the character creation because a lot of it, especially um, uh, for me, was just, like, personally talking to Tully because I've personalised some fun D&D stuff. Yeah. And I was like, how do I balance this with my DM so they feel comfortable playing it? I'm not going to derail a story by accident.
3: Yeah,
0: exactly. And um – so just working with everyone to figure out what sort of thing that they wanted to bring to their characters. So I have, um, you know, one player who is actually Danae, uh, formerly of the this podcast, who is playing a character from another fictional universe, which we've kind of figured out how that ports in nicely. Um, I've got Grace who will be... There's a little bit of homebrewing involved in <laughs> some of her uh, backstory and... Um, that will show up a little more probably in the next two sessions or so. It, okay.
1: It's fun. I can't talk about it with Lachlan. It's been killing me. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um, it will be amazing. We'll probably do a reaction, a reactions uh, recording <laughs> sometime after that session. Um, but I've got Brooke, who is a, a long-time listener of the podcast, who is – we've done a lot more details on her backstory. Um but I knew the kind of character that she was after. Um, this is actually her first full campaign, and mm. she's now in the, in the same week started up another campaign <laughs> with uh, somebody from work. <laughs> and with, that one is set in modern day or in eighties New York. Oh, that's fun! So they're very different mm. campaigns, very different, and she's playing a druid in one and a rogue in another, and it's great.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really it was really just. Um, yeah, really, really heavily kind of in, influenced by those backstories. From, yeah, from what I could, from what I could tell, and like talking to you as you were as you were kind of putting it all together.
0: Exactly, and essentially, my biggest thing was finding a, a legitimate reason for everyone to kind of band together, and then finding ways for the world to serve the stories of the characters, mm. so that it really felt like. Everyone was the protagonist of the story, and that they were, that the party themselves were all exceptional parts of the universe. Because for me, that's one of the big things about fantasy. It's, Mm. there is this complex world that you can make a difference in, and that you are a significant part of. And so it really, um, I'm not sure about you guys, but for me, in this, even in just the one session where you've only met, Three or four, yeah. Four. You've met four or five NPCs, mm. and then you've kind of gone off on your own for a bit. It's very much seems like you were taking that as a protagonist role. It yeah, did feel like that.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a lot more, a lot more natural to like slot into mm. that kind of like leading, like leading the action kind of position when it because it, it did. It, it felt like it was a place that would be. Frustrating and would be, uh, would be, would be like the situation would like rub our specific characters the exact wrong ways so that they would be forced to take matters into their own hands. Mm. Like, yeah, we, we show up in this like little town, this group of like fairly helpful, fairly like, fairly like good people. Like, everyone's, I don't think anyone's playing anyone that's like especially, uh, at least. On the f- surface, especially, like, complicated in their, like, code of ethics or whatever. Mm. Like, we're yeah. just classic, like, d heroes. Um heroes. And we show up in this town where fucking everyone's dying, everyone's going missing. Everyone's just like, man, that sucks. And man, it- that, man, that really sucks, huh? Yeah.
3: yeah,
0: there's a lot of accepting bad things as the inevitable.
2: Accepting bad things as the inevitable. And the thing that I thought was really interesting about it uh, is, like there was almost an atmosphere of like like they'd accepted it from the beginning like they'd never not just accepted it
1: yeah
0: yeah i i feel like from what i from my recollection as being the npcs it sort of came came across as i was being very nonchalant while similarly while simultaneously being quite paranoid,
2: yeah, it felt like everyone was scared they'd be next, but that was the extent of like the the their concerns about mm, the matter it yeah. was it was It was definitely an interesting like atmosphere that it created in the town
1: I think it was also really good because the story. Because the story made our group such central figures and like classic heroes and we all had a reason to be in this town, it Mm. also made like sort of character interactions between us players more natural because it wasn't, hey, here's a bunch of people that are just together and I guess go do something now. It was like, hey, we're all at this weird town together and everyone's being super strange even though they shouldn't be. And we're the only ones that seem to notice. Also,
0: mm. I did, I, I did deliberately craft myself what I kind of see as the easy mode of starter settings, where re- the town is essentially a ghost town. Uh, mm. it's got the six essential people, or f- mm. and then ev- anyone who would have been coming in or out has been either going missing or has stopped coming because other people are going missing. Yeah. And so you have the three people in the town who are not mainstays and suddenly something goes wrong and the town is cut off. Well, I mean everyone else there is permanent. You're the yeah. only transient people in the town. Mm. Yeah, if there's if there's anyone that is to spare, it's you. Exactly. And that kind of set the party up very quickly as I mean they they definitely Rebelled against it for a little bit, um, w- wondering what various players, uh, various um, non-player characters' motivations were. But mm. it set them up as you're <laughs> the ones that are going, and we'll stay here. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I think the I think the interesting thing about it, and kind of the the takeaway for anyone listening, is that if you create. If you create like a dysfunctional enough, for lack of a better word, dysfunctional enough like group of NPCs, then you can have the like interpersonal tension of the party like not liking the people that they're being given their quest by, but still have the quest be something that isn't expressly about helping them. Because it wasn't about like helping the people that were frustrating mm. us. It was about helping their Neighbors p- who had gone missing. Yeah, it was helping yeah. the
1: people that the NPCs hadn't helped. Mm. It, was, it was like you're really annoying and you haven't done anything, so I'll do it. I guess. Yes, yeah, so
2: we managed to have those like conflicts with NPCs that were giving us quests without like that being a reason to not do the quest. If mm-hmm. anything, it was more encouragement to do the quest.
0: Also, one thing I've very much enjoyed, and this is on a DM prepping um, scenario. This is actually a. Um, this is a tip that is written in Sly Flourish's uh, Return to the Lazy DM, Mm. uh, which is a great book. I'd highly recommend checking it out. Um, But one thing that they recommend is um, have a secret for every area. It doesn't need to be a big secret, but just a secret, something people can discover. And what turned out um, from having a, a consistent, there, there was a consistent, I think it was the smell of sulfur. Yeah. yeah. Which was something that nobody's figured out what's going on yet with that. But there's oh, this. Well, cons- rude. First of all. Rude. I mean, there are, there are hypotheses out there. Um, I think it's eggs. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a
1: lot of our recurring bird imagery and Lachlan's characters are Kenku. So. Uh, it just made sense. It's very, yeah. There's a lot of the egg centric theories ahoy over here.
0: Um, and to be fair, that is a reasonable assumption to come to when there is a vulture, a giant vulture circling the town. And then as soon as the vulture's out of sight, there's a giant eagle appears. Like,
2: yeah, it, it, it seemed to track. Uh, Clearly it doesn't now hearing Tully talk about it,
1: but it made
2: sense at the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, also considering like, uh, immediately after this theory, um, Uh, immediately after Lachlan sort of talked about this theory, we all just sort of went around town and we were like, hey, what about your eggs? 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 We've not had eggs
0: here. We don't get fresh produce. (laughs) Literally
1: everyone was like, I don't know what the fuck you're on about. And also all our roles were really bad. Yeah,
0: every single investigation role. Like other roles have been great, but investigation specifically has been absolutely shithouse. I don't think there's been an investigation role above 14. Oh, even the 14 was in the wrong place asking the wrong questions. And our
2: charisma rolls have been even
0: worse. Oh, yeah. There was an intimidation roll that... Um, I think I rolled, like, a
2: four or something. Yeah, it was such a, a p- bold gambit, too. I was, like, in someone's face, like, making loud banging noises in my kenku. And they, and I just yeah. rolled so shittily. And, like,
1: even, even I was like, hey, can I, like... Provide a backup here. Can I stand menacingly behind them? And we re rolled again, and it was still terrible. Yeah, I think you
0: rolled a four and a six. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was really rough. Terrible. Yeah,
1: it was the equivalent of like a toddler tells you, you're ugly, and another toddler stands behind them and says, yeah, what he said.
0: (laughs) But the thing I love about hiding secrets in various places is while they didn't figure out what this particular secret was, through their very... Because th- the the, ser- the setting is very much paranoid and geared towards, you know, like, not really trusting everyone entirely. Through investigating this particular plot thread, they took a wrong turn and discovered a new secret. And because I had that secret pre-planned... Um, I, I didn't think it was going to come up until they'd at least finished the first quest and returned to the town and got to know a couple people. But you, you just got to chuck right in there because you had it there. Yeah,
1: wait, what was the secret that we weren't supposed to find but did?
0: That the town prostitute is a changeling. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> that was really fun too. Because
0: there were these introductions with this brother and sister half-elves who were the, the town prostitutes. <laughs> but... And they like, never appeared in the same room at the same time.
2: And even though their gimmick was that they were twins and prostitutes, they weren't doing anything with it. And that was so sus. Oh, it
1: was but also, so bad. There was like a whole conversation. There was like where constant
0: the- corrections where every time I would say, uh, you know, such and such goes up to the room, the other one comes out and comes down. And then you'd ask the one that just left the question. And I go, oh no, it's just this one in the room. I think that happened four or five times and nobody picked up on the fact that they never appeared in the same room twice, the same room at the same time. Yeah. I
2: just honestly thought they were really annoying.
1: I just thought they didn't like each other. Yeah, I, I
2: remember. <laughs> I remember at one point, Grace was like, "Fucking, why didn't he come back downstairs when he got her?" That's so dumb. No, and I was like, I co-
1: hadn't finished talking to him yet.
2: We had to go upstairs. We had. I, I, it wasn't until I tried to cut the door, uh, like chop the door down with my hand axe, that the that the owner of the inn was like. Fine, no, it's no, a changeling, th- stop. The owner of the inn oh, was
0: willing to let you cut the door yeah. down. It was the changeling themselves that decided, yeah. no, this is enough. This is enough. Will I'll reveal myself. Wild.
2: And see, it's interesting because I tried to go for, with my prep. I tried to go for a kind of similar effect where it felt like the party had like all of these like things to discover around them and all of these like strange things going on and kind of like a... Uh, a really, like, foreign, kind of, like, hostile environment. Mm. But the way I did that was instead of doing a ghost town, I had, like, a big city um, that was just, like, with, like, weirdly quiet streets and stuff for atmosphere. just like, kind of... But there was still, like, someone around every corner. So it was just, like, to give the impression that it was, like, a little
0: bit too big...
2: Mm. Yeah. To
0: kind of see all of. Yeah, no... It was that- a very... Yeah, it was a... a an agoraphobic mm. feeling where mm. there's just so much that felt weirdly empty.
2: Yeah. And it, it meant that I could, I could throw in like, again, cause I was, I was looking at the, um, I was using the, I haven't actually read the full book, but I was using that like checklist that they have in the lazy DM thing. Yeah. Um, and so I was also thinking about like secrets and stuff. Whereas, like, m- but my solution to that was to write a bunch of secrets for like different types of places. Like, write a secrets for things you would find if you were around, if you were looking at like residential buildings. Find mm. some things if you were looking at like X type of building, X type of building. Yeah. And yeah, for um, your
0: kind of setting, because you gave us a- essentially an entire city to play with. Mm. That makes sense. Whereas mine was very much restricted. It was a smaller area where there were only four or five areas until you started on the quest. Yeah. Mm. It makes sense to have specific ones. Yeah.
1: And I mean, as someone who's... Being a play in both those cities, it's very obvious the different approaches in the sense that Loughlin City felt very overwhelming and, like, there were so many NPCs to talk to and we had so many conflicting opinions and points of view that we didn't know where to start and the panic and the sort of, like, challenge came from, like, sorting through all these different statements that people had given us until we figured out, like, what's the what's, like, the through line between all of this, whether mm. we can follow, mm. whereas Tully's was more like, everyone's giving us a very clear narrative and it doesn't feel right. Like, they gave us the narrative. It was so, cu- it was so cut and dry and we looked at it and we were like, nah, not nah, that's not it.
0: I think yeah. one of the greatest takeaways I got from that, from what you've said there, is just the way that we've delivered our worlds mm. very much makes the players understand that NPCs are not a mouthpiece for the DM. Mm. They can be wrong. Yeah. Um, And that is such an important part of the world, is knowing that the other characters in the world are fallible and aren't just the DM telling you what to do.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's a person in that place who Mm. thinks something for a specific reason. And that's kind of the, the big thing that was... That was kind of my focus throughout this. Because I did a very similar thing in terms of like using the backstories. So what I did was I worked out the sort of like political like situate, the more or less the sorts of political like situations that I wanted to be happening in the world. Um, Because obviously that's going to inform a lot of the everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I used the backstories to narrow down the specific details of the place that you started. I wanted to. I didn't want to make it so it was like a place where necessarily you would want to like set up forever. But I wanted to make it, and I and I liked the idea of having the party kind of grow together a little bit, or a mm. little bit uh, more organically, to just kind of like gravitate towards each other, like de facto. Mm. Yeah.
1: By the looks of things in Lachlan's campaign, it looks more like our characters are at the kind of. Midway point of their character growth. They're not shitty people necessarily, but they're like <clears throat> they're gonna try and do good things. They're just not good at being good yet.
2: Yeah, it's a bunch of um, and I mean Tully's character, the war criminal, is um, <laughs> yeah. the literal literal <laughs> canonical war criminal is the is the most overt example of it. But everyone in the party, and I tried to make sure of this as we were getting ready, is. Flawed, but is yeah, is a person who knows who they want to be, Mm. but doesn't know how to be that person, yeah. So it's so then what I did was I made sure that every single person got their every single person's like
1: dark past.
2: Well, no, not even every single person's like plan for redemption Mm. led them towards this one city, Mm. so uh, like yeah, so it, it just became this thing of like trying to get everyone in the same room and make them feel like they were in this room to do something like they were here i'm here to do something myself and then just throw something in front of them that was so dramatic that none of them would be able to ignore it and they would all be forced to deal with it together
0: one of the absolute Biggest power plays that you played in this was we <laughs> we ended up we we started in this tavern as you do and I mean I love a tavern as a starting area it's great it's um but I will be I will be clear I gave each and every one of you
2: a different a, reason a to be full conversation about like why you were in the tavern everyone was everyone went in was sitting at different places and yeah. was like there for a different we, reason yeah. we
1: started Lachlan's campaign. not just in the city but in
2: the building itself
1: yeah we started Lachlan's campaign. Not sitting together, not talking to each other, and we only met because we reacted to a situation differently yeah. that just happened to le- lead us in the same direction.
0: I would love to do just a quick narration of how it all went down.
1: Yeah, please. It's so very good.
0: We are in an inn, in a fairly dingy inn. Everything looks a little weird. There's some hooded figures in the corner, and there is somebody in owl armor that looks and that looks basically seamless to be almost as if it was a uh, m- magical armor designed to be like an owl.
2: Yeah. It was the way I kind of described it was like, imagine a Kenku, but with an owl head and then made of metal. And that's yeah. what this dude is. Mm.
0: Um, so Vlad, uh, the wizard decided to sit as close to the hooded figures as possible. Um,
1: I went and sat up at the bar. Yep. I wanted to like, Try to talk to people, not that I got much of a chance to.
0: Xanto and I sat as close to the owl as we could and pretended to gamble while taking in the sights. And then some people in bear armour walked in, tried to drag an elf away. Uh, The elf resisted and one of the hooded figures got up and cast power word kill (laughs) and straight up murdered the dude.
2: Yeah. Just dropped out in the bar and then the bears took the other guy away and everyone went back to their drinks.
0: With the so,
2: elf
1: still dead on the floor, mind you. Like, just left him there. Yeah. Just
0: there. So, my response as an ex-war criminal and trying to better myself was, I'm going to pick up the body and uh, take it outside. So, did that, got confronted by um, the, the NPC who I assume was eventually going to ask us to to take the body or to notify somebody of something but essentially told us that if you were caught with the body you were just charged for murder doesn't matter what actually happened but if you were caught with a body you were charged for murder
3: Mm.
2: yeah and it and it created this like and what i was trying to go for was to create this atmosphere both of a like a city on the brink and a and a city that's like whole like it's like whole legal system, its whole like structure is fundamentally corrupt, but a city that's full of really just like good, honest people Mm. um, to create this like this like conflict between the two things. Like I wanted to have a city that they felt
0: would be worth saving. Um, I I just, I really though loved basically essentially what happened was this, we were, we found out about this that if what? you were caught with a body that you were going to be tried for it, and so the the conflicting responses between myself and Xanto <laughs> the rogue I was like okay i 'll take it to the graveyard and put it away, um, thinking like if I get caught, so be it." Xanto was like, "Hey, can I loot it before we take it to the graveyard <laughs> and get caught yeah so
2: and see the thing about it and and this is this is why it was important why I feel like it was especially important to um to to use the backstories. And I think that even if you're not doing something like what Tully was doing, where like everything from the ground up is built to like tailored to your party. Mm. Um because I didn't want to do that as much. I wanted it to feel a little bit more like and no shade on that, it's effective. Yeah. It's just not how I write.
0: It's different styles. Um
2: I like to Feel I like people to feel like they've been dropped somewhere. Like they are somewhere and that place doesn't give a fuck and if they're there. Mm. It really
0: did feel like mm. it. Um...
2: And because and the way that I did that was to yeah to make sure that everyone had a reason to be there, but to make sure that nobody knew anything about what was going on, to make sure that nobody wanted to tell them what was going on, yeah. and then force them into a situation where because basically I know that Tully was playing uh, a war criminal with Paladin with an oath of redemption, so he would see someone die and be forced to try and help. I knew that he was going to have the rogue with him to get him into shenanigans. And I knew that the other two in the room would just fundamentally be way too curious, especially about the fact that nobody was following them mm. out of the bar, mm. that they would be forced to follow. And so oh, the party yeah. ended up organically meeting, like or not even all at once, amazing. just like <laughs> at disparate moments. Like so
0: let's, let's go through the situation step by step. I've taken the body outside with the intention of taking it to the graveyard. Xanto, the rogue, has said, uh, has said hey, Heward, uh can you maybe take this to a, an alley so that I can loot the body first? So I break down the window of a boarded up house and throw the corpse through the window <laughs> and stand guard and say, hey, go loot the body. I'll, I'll watch out.
1: Um, I don't know if you guys have seen our Twitter recently but uh, Tully uh, retweeted one of the pictures I drew while I was playing this <laughs> session um, and it's literally just my character like, what the fuck? Because the, it, I wa- my character watches Tully just toss a corpse through a window they've a broken into. A still warm corpse. A still warm corpse that I watched fall to the ground not five minutes earlier tossed through a window like a rag doll and then I went... I want to go have a look, though.
2: And see, the beauty of it is, I knew for a fact that if I got that hooded figure to kill that elf with power, word kill, and got someone in the room to want that body taken secretly to the graveyard, it didn't matter what they did, because I knew that the party would, and all for different reasons, which I think, which was the thing that I really wanted to focus on. I didn't want it to be like, you're all here and you're being given a job, mm. you know? Mm. I wanted it to be like, I wanted you to all have different motivations for getting involved. So I made it this like really kind of broad but unignorable thing um, and made it so everyone else did ignore it, but like clearly ignored it for a reason mm. so that they didn't feel like, so it would like strike that balance of like not turning them against the town, but still forcing them into doing something. And then I didn't need to know how one would get this body past the guards to the yeah, graveyard. Because I knew the route to the graveyard. and I fucking knew you'd try. Yeah.
1: Yep. Which is, which and, is so different because in Tully's one, all of these characters wanted to interact with us. They wanted to meddle with us. At every turn of this town, there was somebody there who was like, hi guys, what's happening? What you doing? Who are you?
0: Notice that just about every one of them asked you if you were leaving on the train the following morning. Oh yeah,
1: they wanted us out of there and that was the bit that we were all like, (laughs) Uh, what?
0: Hmm. Yeah, whereas
2: I was trying to go for a place that didn't care if you were there. Not a place that wants you to stay or wants you to go. A place that's like, keep your fucking head down or we'll have trouble.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And in fact, it ended up being, the the way that I structured it was, uh, so I didn't, because I was doing like a bigger city, I didn't want to have like specific, like I didn't want to have like, this is the merchant that has this quest and this is the whatever and like make people go to specific places. So all I did oh, was I created like, different story hooks based on the different sorts of places you could go and then obviously had things for, like, the set landmarks. And then what? you would
0: just show up somewhere and start talking to someone and that would be the person that had that mm. problem. You know what? We picked up on uh, two or three different story hooks. Um, we've essentially taken two quests and are embarking on one and we've not been promised payment for any of these oh, things. No, no. Yeah. Not a single person has offered us employment or said there will be reimbursement for this, we have just, as as part of our characters' motivations and how they interacted with the world at large, have decided to undertake these things. We're currently trying to unblock a trade route with no promise of anything. Yeah,
1: no one no, well, no one even said they wanted us to. They were like, oh, this is kind of annoying. It's been a bit of a bother. I think we the were like, closest
0: oh. we got to an offer of employment was, I mean... I'll give you some vegetables if you can sort out oh. the frame problem. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, because... <laughs> yeah, it all happened because Tully wanted soup. I wanted
2: fresh soup. <laughs> because here's the thing. The one thing that I made sure of was that there was, in any given location, any place that I knew you had to go, there was at least one, preferably two things... Two like leads that you would be given, and I made sure that it was both super unclear as to what the leads were about. I just wanted to make it clear that they were leads. Like, none of you even know what you're trying to do for half of this stuff. Mm. Yeah,
0: like there's there's notice of majors going missing, mm. and
2: yeah, all of the that was the thing that I thought was that I thought was really interesting. Uh, was that I had all of these, like, really, really, like, important, impactful things <laughs> happening in the town. But and
1: then we were like, let's go fight some goblins. Let's go fight some
2: goblins so we, we can get some so- fresh veggies. <laughs> yeah, but, be- but because I made the world, like, so dense and so, like, interact, so made it, like, interact with each other so much, just saying that the... In was low on fresh vegetables, meant that the whole second day, pretty much, that they were in the town, Tully spent investigating market stalls to try and work out what the food shortage was. Yeah. Which, which, completely separate from the wizards, completely separate from yeah. the evil prince that I've established, completely separate from uh, like the three other major, like yeah. serious things that I'd set up because it was someone you'd happened to talk to that was affected by it, you yeah. have to go fight the goblins and um, restore the trade route. It, it was, was just like a, a completely different from where, where I expected you to go.
1: It was so div- so divis- uh, divisive that we actually like split the party and Tully went off with his rogue friend yeah. to go investigate the marketplace about the food shortage. And um, me and, uh, are they Whiz. Yeah, Yeah. Vlad's a... Yeah, Yeah, you guys actually went off to go explore Vlad's Vlad's
2: personal project.
1: Yeah, just like Vlad found some evidence on the body when we were looking at it and we were like, oh, this is weird, let's go check this out. Let's go to the library.
2: Mm. And the thing thing that I wanted to make sure of was I wanted to make it so that the things you both learned, the things you learned in each of these places, even though you went to completely opposite sides of town and talked to, to completely different people and did completely different things... I wanted to make sure it felt like it
0: could be part of
2: the same problem, mm. but is it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're almost definitely going to find something out where we are that's going to link back to the city. But as far as my character knows, this is just the thing that I am steadfast to do. And
2: yeah, you just got you just got along well with the people in the inn and you want to make sure yeah. they got their vegetables. And I was just mm. the first
0: one to wager... <laughs> giving away my war crime past um mm. on getting some horses.
2: Yeah, I think the um I think the thing that's really I- important to remember if you're DMing and you're doing something a little bit like more kind of sandboxy like this um less like linear is the party is going to gravitate towards the, the solvable of, thing.
1: Yeah, the path of least resistance.
2: Mm. Yeah. If the so if the party is presented with like yeah. People are going missing from the streets. Uh, random assassinations are happening all over town, and a, a an evil prince uh, is wasting all of the town's resources, ignoring it for his own and trying to so, uh, solidify his grip on the town. Uh, aside away from his like old masters, but then they also hear that there are some goblins fighting some caravans, and it's like, fuck, we could go beat up some goblins,
0: guys. Yeah, goblins I
1: can handle. I don't know shit about any of this else, but I know where the goblins are and I have magic powers.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) like for my character it's very much, hey, um, so when I did my bad thing, I hurt a lot of the poor people and so I need the poor people to be eating properly so we can help fix their problems. Mm.
2: And kind of the the key to making sure that it all like worked and felt like it was all one place was really to, you had to make sure that there's obviously like the big bad of the place has to have some impact. They have to be doing something terrible. (laughs) But the key is making sure that they're not doing everything. Mm. You also have to make sure that you have like a handful of historical issues in that place. Like, yeah, the current prince is shitty and is doing some shit but the current prince's shittiness is actually more symptomatic of an overarching issue in the society it's actually it's uh it resembles the previous conflict that that one of the that one of the characters had actually mm. been directly involved with which was part of their inspiration to get them to to get them to mm. get involved mm. it was um Creating it was possibly ambiguously related to food shortages and stuff, but also the town had had a history of poverty and stuff since recent conflicts and everything. And had like it wasn't just a place that had one thing, it was a town that had existed for hundreds and hundreds of Mm. years and had the baggage of that hundreds of years. And the beauty of it is, like, really only two or three big, one to three big things happen to a place every kind of generation. So you really only need, like, mm. four big things for a city and four, like, big events that are causing the issues. And they can be as linked or as not linked as you want. Um, It just has to feel like really the only connection between them all is it has to feel like it could all happen in the same place. Like as long as nothing conflicts with each other, Mm. all you're doing is like I'm writing four fights, one weird election. And then boom, you have like this weird diverse Mm. town that is like
0: feels alive. You know, I'm actually, now that I think about it, when you've mentioned that I am quite surprised that you didn't follow up on the lead of how, the town in my setting was created because you, as a as a person, absolutely it is right in your wheelhouse. You as your player, just it's not even not even relevant. Yeah,
2: my character doesn't give a
0: shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I love the death before meta gaming um, sort of mantra that we've got. <laughs> oh yeah, where everyone like people know that shits up, but they know their character doesn't, and so they just do what is in role.
1: Yeah. Um, It's really good. It's also really interesting because like I think one of the reasons why we haven't questioned sort of Tully's town's inception really is because like one of the one of the things that's come up a few times is the fact that this town doesn't care. The the miners come in short-term contracts, they find their, their stuff, they pay their tax and they leave. Like they don't want you to stay, they don't expect you to stay, they want you to come here, do your work, pay their taxes and leave and like and oh. no one dug too far into it because they were like, no one cares. No one sticks around long enough to make a town. There's when you four guys buildings get Stone
0: packed, it will be amazing.
1: I'm very excited.
2: Mm, yeah. Kind of the key, I think, is to make sure that every like lead that you give to the party has an appropriate but suspicious counter-argument. Everyone, like, there has to be a good reason that nobody has done the things already, but it can't be so good a reason that the party's not going to do it. Yeah, like,
0: the fact that the sheriff hasn't gone looking for the miners ostensibly could, could well just be, as she said, I need to be here for when people arrive. But then that's also a bit shitty because... No A bunch of miners have disappeared over the past couple yeah. of weeks.
1: And the only people to arrive is us. Yeah. And you didn't even greet us, somebody else did.
0: Oh, yeah. I also blew up the only train uh, in <laughs> and out of the town, um, which is my way of saying, hey, suck it, you need to deal with yeah. this area before you leave. Yeah. Um, and it was, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how you cope with that and the aftermath of that. Mm. Yeah. See, wh- whereas like my approach to make sure that you didn't
2: abandon the area was to just make it so that all of the issues that this place was facing were big enough that you'd f- feel bad if you did. Mm. Yeah. If you didn't do at least something to to try and help the situation, just yeah. get you so embroiled in it that you kind of can't go anywhere, at least I'm not f- for long.
0: I feel like it's kind of, at this stage, I plan to eventually expand out, but... I feel like it's essentially the difference between... I, I feel like railroading is uh, a negative term for a reason and I don't like what people come to know as railroading, which is where people's choices don't matter. Mm. There is, there's a really good video that Matt Colville does uh, about railroading versus on rails. Mm. Um, but I think our campaigns very much do exemplify yours is very much sandbox where you can literally do anything and it's laid out for that purpose Whereas mine is laid out more on rails where how you get from place to place and how you... I've, I've set out a couple of options, but how you get from there is up to you. Mm. But it still is definitely leading towards particular things. Mm. Yeah,
2: because yeah, there's, there's not one that's better than the other. It's just they're different. Like the reason I wanted to have a sandbox is I wanted I wanted the players to feel the like actual kind of feeling of helplessness that you would feel in a situation like this whereas like tully was going more for like an empowering fantasy story yeah it was just like a different kind of tonal approach like for instance uh the, the best example for this is the reason that they were so motivated to resolve this food thing is just because i made it clear that if they didn't eat they would suffer exhaustion they would suffer penalties mm. you yeah. just have to eat food during the day i mean and so it was on their mind and instead of thinking about this food thing as just another side quest they came into this town and as people who needed to eat because people need to eat and they found out that there wasn't enough food and they fucking freaked out mm-hmm. and they yeah. went to go fix it immediately because I mean, they have to
0: eat my first first time i reached into my coin purse was for drinks the second time I reached into my coin purse was to buy two dinners for myself because I didn't feel like the first would be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's no way as a character, as as a player that you know, receiving your fantasy meal described by the GM, that this is or isn't going to be enough definitively. But the way it was described very much was, oh, I'm questioning whether this is a a nutritious and complete meal. I'm going to have two because I'm a big lad and I'm not going to cope well without it.
2: And that was literally all it took yeah. to get the party yeah. to completely abandon all of the things that they held dear, to completely like leave this town that clearly had so many more interesting things going on, to go and fight some goblins because they didn't have any carrots.
0: Yeah, to try and get fresh veggies for... The, well, I'd like to say for the common people, and for my character definitely that is a, a part of it, but... It's for us and for the tavern we were staying at. Yeah, that was the thing.
2: And that was kind of my, my my main approach was to make sure that it didn't fucking matter why any of you wanted to do it. And in fact, I tried to expressly set it up so you would all want to do the same thing, but for different reasons. Mm. So that like, I didn't want the party to break up because they disagreed. I wanted the party to head to a quest and dis- and argue about approach on the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's... yeah.
0: Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm really – this has got me hankering for another session and unfortunately <laughs> I don't think we'll have another session of either one yeah, until so after busy. Christmas. Probably not. Um, but, and that's what I was saying,
2: by the way, about using survival stuff to get people, like, force people, force uh, people to get immersed in the world. Like, literally
0: will, immediately. This will yeah. 100% be – in our next Gripes episode will be a talk about survival mechanics, things like uh, your exhaustion for long rests, for um, carry capacity, for mm. – um, Eat, like for eating, uh, eating and drinking, complete stuff like that. Mm. It's just because we had to pretty much humber everything. Yeah, well, it's simply the fact that I discovered that my paladin is automatically encumbered by, uh, by virtue of just wearing the starting armor and having the starting weapons. And that sort of moment of cognitive dis- dissonance where I went video game mode: I can't be encumbered. I've got to drop some stuff, or I've got to change the way the mechanics work to eventually going actually I'm wearing full chain and carrying a big stone club I should be encumbered
3: yeah mm.
2: that should be hard for you to move around and that and that's all it took literally just saying you have to eat you have to drink you have to sleep things are heavy yeah, yeah and I, it complete and it completely changed the party's approach
1: I think also like the difference in the way you guys are approaching the DM has like actively and very noticeably changed the way that I have approached it as a player whereas in Lachlan's game my character decisions are very much based on like I have to keep myself safe I have to I have to be able to like I like I'm trying to be a better person I want to like my character is essentially the equivalent of doing like work placement i'm like i have like shit that i need to do and i have to be okay in order to complete that yeah you're Where, like uh, you're
2: just fallible mortals
1: yeah whereas like in tully's campaign i'm i'm weighed down by my characters Backstory and my character situation, but I'm not so scared that I won't roll an intimidation against the sheriff because she's shifty as fuck. I'm like, yeah. oh, hold hold up a second, hey, what's this? Whereas in Lachlan's, like, I haven't rolled intimidation. Like most of what I've been rolling is stealth because I'm like, I don't want to be noticed because these people don't want me here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Think think about it. Anyone who's DM'd, uh, it's like literally I, because. People don't give a shit about town guards, but because I managed to set up this atmosphere and because I made it f- everyone feel like they could be killed, like they were in danger, as so- like literally Scariest even just moment was even
0: being confronted by a freaking town guard,
2: even just saying if you get caught, the guards will try to arrest you, meant that everyone stopped for like five minutes to be like, "Fuck, how do we get there then?" Oh, fuck, how do we yeah. get there then? What so do we, we do? Had, we,
1: we had to leave the city, and the only no. way to leave the city was across a bridge that was heavily guarded, and we were like, okay, well, we have a literal war criminal with us, and we all tried to hide a body last night, and if we get caught for any of this, then we're fucked. Mm.
2: And, like, that was the town guards, which, quite frankly, I mean, if you've looked at guard stats, they're not intimidating enemies no. in no.
0: D&D. But, yeah, it, like, we got confronted by two, and... The world was about to come crashing down. Um, I believe only a good, a really good persuasion check managed to get us through that.
2: Mm. Mm, yeah. Uh, and honestly, it was only uh, really Thanks good stealth checks
0: I've... that stopped them from swarming you.
2: Yeah. Uh, that was the other thing that I thought was really in, was, was interesting was to, I'm leaning towards more doing like party checks for things and just kind of like averaging for the party. So like the, the party mm. would all roll stealth. And I'd be like, okay, so that's kind of an average of about 17, 18. And then I made all the guards roll perception and some of the guards got 18, two of, the gu- two of those rolls got 18 and the rest of them didn't get anything.
0: Yeah. And I, I had like- Because mine was the lowest prop- at 18. Proportional,
2: yeah, and I had like proportional levels of like success. So it's like if oh, you yeah. fucked up too badly, then guards
0: would have- by the way, the 18 isn't an exceptional roll. I was using... My character's a stone genasi, so I have... Oh, a yeah, 10. Yeah, so we had a <laughs> plus 10 to stealth, and I rolled an eight total. Yeah. An 18 total, including yeah. the plus 10.
2: And it was... Yeah, and it, and it meant that, um, that the party was like forced to act like there were people in a city and it meant that and the way that I made that feel like kind of organic was I had like a bunch of different clear obstacles on the route as they were going and I just made it I made it feel very arbitrary as to kind of even though it was set I, I wanted it to feel like they couldn't tell which of the obstacles were going to happen, you know, because mm. mm. it's like yeah, because in real life you sneak through the streets to get past the guards, you don't know what guard's going
0: to see you. Yeah, you or don't, you don't know, Is there there you failed a, che- a stealth check. Yeah. You just, you think that every guard has seen you. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so
0: anyway, that on. has been a great chat. Thank you so much for indulging me on that.
2: <laughs> of course. Um, Anytime.
0: Hopefully you'll hear a little bit more of us talking about various DMing styles and how we world build and how maybe some smaller details, maybe some larger details work. Yeah, we'll see um, how it goes. once various character revelations have happened, I'm sure we're going to be updating a little bit so that we can talk more freely about these things. Um, and yeah, until next week where we, uh, officially come back to join your uh, podcast collection with a new episode. Um, Thank you for listening. If you check out our socials on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Dungeon Deep Dive. Or send us an email at deepdivetnc at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, I was going to say keep an eye out on Twitter because I will definitely be continuing to draw throughout all of these um, campaigns. And look, I have my my character sheet and I have a separate notepad entirely for drawing because otherwise I fill up my character sheet and it's a mess. So I will almost definitely be putting up like... Dumb shit that our can- that our party gets up to.
0: Yes. They're keen. Anyway, thank you all, and uh, we'll catch you next week.
3: Bye. Love you.